0: How do you use skills from work to make your home life better? How do you transition gracefully through the various leadership stages of your life? What beliefs and practices do exceptionally high-performing organizations have in common? These are some of the questions we asked Brad Stinson, founder and CEO of The Collective Global, a consultancy that seeks to restore humanity in the workplace by demystifying transformation. On this episode of the Fortune's Path podcast, where we explore the role of virtue in work and family to remind you that fortune is often found in the path of reason. I'm Tom Noser. Brad Stinson is an entrepreneur, successful sales leader, husband and father of three boys. And he was a world-class athlete as a kid, but he doesn't like to talk about that. Today, Brad is the CEO of the Collective Global, where he helps organizations build thriving, healthy team cultures through a quantifiable process that supports rapid growth and increased profits. Brad's energy and deep belief in the power of culture to create great performance is why he's the ideal guest for today's episode of the Fortunes Path podcast. Brad, welcome. Thank you for being a guest. Yeah, I'm excited. Thanks for having me, Tom. Absolutely. So tell me about the Collective Global. How did you start it and uh, what's your objective with it?
1: Yeah, so uh, Collective Global, um, we're about four and a half years old. Uh, we are a culture and leadership uh, consulting firm. Really focused mm-hmm. on um, change and transformation that doesn't just include the mind, but includes the heart. Because in any port of transformation, when you're building teams, working with leaders, um, helping helped. organizations ultimately get to where they want to go, uh, you got to include both. And sometimes in a lot of organizations that I work with, uh, we mm-hmm. don't know, one, the power of the heart and how much that plays into our decision-making. So we really try to bring that as a part of the discussion and whatever the project that we're trying to do. So a lot of our focus is, uh, is really awaking at a deeper purpose at work and home and helping us, you know, mm-hmm. helping everybody that we work with um, understand that, you know, where we're at, there's a level down and we're going to take you there.
0: Mm-hmm. So do you find that there's some resistance in organizations to uh, bringing the heart, as you say, into a conversation? Do you sort of get any pushback on that?
1: Uh, of course. I mean, think about it. It's, I'm like, where's the ROI?
0: Where's the bottom
1: line? Right. Where's the spreadsheet right. analysis? Mm-hmm. Where's, you know, right. how does that increase, mm-hmm. you know, my hiring mm-hmm. or making more profit? Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, right. I mean, we've, we've moved mm-hmm. ourselves into this you know, uh, measuring everything and trying to, but when we're just creating, you know, a number to create a number to then move a number, you know, are we really, Mm -hmm. you know, doing what's right by the human and the person? Of course, there's always resistance Mm -hmm. because, you know, you know, that previous generation, um, no offense to it is they were, they put their head down and they worked hard, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. they got to where they are. And, and I think that as you see this next generation of leader, you see this next generation of workforce, You got to have emotional Mm -hmm. awareness, not emotional quotient, because I don't even like that term. Because that's like emotional, and then I'm going to take it back to the mind with quotient. It's like no, Mm -hmm. I want you to Mm -hmm. have emotional Mm -hmm. awareness along with Mm your EQ and IQ. So, so -hmm. what we're trying to do, we get a lot of pushback. You know, obviously, and 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 and, you know, how's this going to help me? And what does that look like? And I Mm -hmm. said, well, Mm -hmm. um, do you want to keep your employees? Yes. Okay, good. Do you, do you want to, do you want them to wake up and want to come to work every day and be inspired? And, you know, do, do you really want to push yourself to the edge of your leadership growth as a leader? Um, because all the schools, and, and I have nothing wrong with getting your master's or PhD, um, and what you're trying to do in whatever industry that you're in, but that whole, as I call below the line work, which is the heart and soul um, of an organization and of a person, we're not robots, we're humans. And we have emotions about it. We have emotions about mm-hmm. being on this call. I have fear. Am I going to do a good job for you? Is this going to work? <laughs> you know, like What questions are you going to answer me? You know, like ask me, right, right, excuse right. me. You know, so it's I right, think right. that any meeting, Tom, that you've ever walked into, that I've walked into, we have emotions about that mm-hmm. meeting that we're walking into and who's going to sure. attack us, who's not going to talk and why is that person not talking mm-hmm. and what's that face over there. Mm-hmm. And it's just mm-hmm. this emotional awareness of like knowing who you are what you're feeling so that when you walk into right. that room, you can be better inside the conversation. And it's not to mm-hmm. and, and people associate it unfortunately Tom with weakness and like, oh, get those emotions True. out of there, leave those outside the boardroom or or, mm-hmm. or meeting. And I go, wrong. You need to bring mm-hmm. them in because whether you talk about them or not, everybody has them. Mm-hmm. And we should be smart mm-hmm. enough as humans mm-hmm. to bring that into the conversation because it makes the
0: conversation better every single time. So are you typically working with organizations that are, I'm just use a word that's probably too much, but are they sort of broken? No. And that they've, they've encountered a problem. They're like, man, we, we really got a weird culture here.
1: We uh, A lot of times uh, we discover that they're broken, right? Mm-hmm. A lot. Nobody's mm-hmm. going to walk mm-hmm. in and say, we suck. You know, like, it's right. you know, mm-hmm. so some of them have that kind of awareness. And I love those type of leaders. They go, we need to get better mm-hmm. in some way. We, 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 we discover uh, through our processes mm-hmm. that, you know, we can take a team from, you know, organization, whatever, from bad to good, but we work with a lot of organizations that are good and take them to great. And then we take some great mm-hmm. ones into this place of influence and purpose and a deeper one.
0: So, um, how did you get involved in this? Like, what was the <laughs> thing that drew you
1: to, to creating this business? Yeah. So I did a lot of my corporate America work, uh, at two major fortune 100 firms, um, in mm-hmm. really leadership positions. Uh, and, and now just. Share my story because I think it it matters. Sure. You know, everybody's does, sure. and I think that it's mm-hmm. important to this discussion. So, um, you know, I worked in the sales side of the of the organization, and, and I was a salesperson, and and I was always fascinated with leadership. And my and 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 whenever you choose a job, and I'll say, hey, for any of the young uh, people listening to this, is that mm-hmm. whenever you get the opportunity, somebody says, hey, go work for this amazing leader or the best leader in the country run to it. Mm -hmm. If he's getting Mm -hmm. checks and bat, like he's the best. And that was the best decision I ever made is I ran Mm -hmm. and worked for the, literally the number one ranked, right. Uh, Mm -hmm. leader in the country. And I learned so much in 18 months. And then I was promoted Mm -hmm. into the Nashville Mm -hmm. area that I live now. Well, as you know, in sales and anybody knows (laughs) that, uh, Mm -hmm. when you want to grow a market, Um, they'll build a sales quota and then they'll split it off and all that kind of stuff. And so, what happened Mm -hmm. was, is when you take a sales quota away or take an office away and the sales quota stays the same, it takes you a while to get back to those numbers because they're basing it on Mm -hmm. the same or previous year. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, as we all have peaks and valleys in our in 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 our lives, you know, I Mm -hmm. just like I hope I know you do because we've talked and a lot of Mm -hmm. other leaders do. Mm -hmm. We go read books about relationships, mm-hmm. communication, drive, creativity, mm-hmm. or you know, we go to a conference or we watch a YouTube or love TED Talks, right? TED Talks are mm-hmm. great. And, and we invest in ourselves on how we can get better. Well, I was actually um, sitting in a meeting and I saw this guy who eventually came and started putting up this like path and this order. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. that makes a whole bunch of sense. And mm-hmm. it wasn't so much what I was learning, but it was the order in which I learned it. And the order in which Mm -hmm. I needed to make sure I needed to do this before that and that before this in order to get to a place of excellence, influence, and purpose. Because I don't know anybody on Mm -hmm. this call – I mean, excuse me, on on, uh, listening to this Mm -hmm. would go, hey, I cannot wait to join my average team today. Nobody wakes Mm -hmm. up and says those type of things, right? So I think that Mm -hmm. how do you get to this place there? Well, before you get to excellence, influence, and purpose, right, there is – eight other steps that you need to do before that. And so he put up this and I added mm-hmm. a couple and then, I, and then I started trying it in the valleys. Mm-hmm. The valleys became no valleys. It was always mountains mm-hmm. the, the top of the mountain. So we, mm-hmm. so, you know, over a four year period, I went from bottom to top and not having these, these lulls. And then I taught mm-hmm. my uh, guy across the city and he was like, let's do mm-hmm. this. And then the state and then the, the, the mm-hmm. region. And then I just spent really my last mm-hmm. couple of years flying around the country teaching this. And it still exists there mm-hmm. today, right? Goal mm-hmm. of a leader is to leave a place better than you found it and set it up for the next guy mm-hmm. to take or girl take it farther than mm-hmm. you. So that's what mm-hmm. that's what we did. And now this order that we teach, um, and and that's really what started um, the collective is that I found a better mm-hmm. way to invest and understand the current state of organizations. And we do it in a completely mm-hmm. different way. I'm sure you've been a part of employee opinion surveys or you've been a part mm-hmm. of um, people trying to get the pulse of the organization, whatever types of organizations. big firms out there. But what I felt was is that, you know, there's a lot of top-down approach to that. The leaders are creating the questions or these are based on the industry, whatever. And I said the true issues and problems and the ways that you need to move an organization lie in what the employees want in transformation. So we actually Mm -hmm. take a grassroots, bottom-up approach to what we're doing to deliver what the employees need, want, and how to get better, what they need, because then the leaders can fly higher, because when you ultimately help the employees own their journey towards transformation, accept what Mm -hmm. change needs to be done, and then everybody's working in that direction, that's how change and transformation works, that has long-term sustainability and not check-the-box activities to say, hey, we polled our employees. So what do we do mm-hmm. is it's an ownership-based model where the employees um, create the survey, they take the survey, they pick the top five, and then the leaders say, all right, we're going to hold you accountable to what change you want inside this organization, and we're going to lead you down that journey. So it was a flipping of that, but then we, we put it in a very specific order for them to have a discussion. Mm-hmm. For example, I bet you, any organization possibly you work it's very hard to talk about strategy if people don't trust each other. Mm -hmm. it's very hard to say what's excellent if nobody's living the mission and vision day in and day out it's very hard to be purposeful and have a deeper purpose where you help somebody else on their journey if you can't even communicate with your own team so Mm -hmm. there's a specific order and it might take some time to do that you know our engagements run from three to six to nine to 12 months and there's some maintenance periods in that but what we try and do is we try to give the ownership to the organization versus being this hero that comes in and and uh and, and fixes it for them because then it, when we leave, what happens? It goes back to the way it was. So our our philosophy is just a little bit different. Is we believe you know what you need to do to fix your organization or make it better or go from great to amazing. All we're going to do is bring the dark into the light, find your blind spots, really help you move towards what it means to be excellent, influential, and purposeful. Because at the end of the day, everybody wants purpose. And this is how I define purpose, Tom. Purpose is climbing to the top of your mountain. Yes, you have to do that because you got to get there to be able to teach it. But purpose comes when you climb down your mountain and help somebody else climb theirs. And that's the true role of a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, so I think that for me, that's, that's really how we came to who we were, and that's what we lead teams, leaders, teams, and organizations on.
0: So um, uh, why do you say that you're qualified to do it? What is it that you're in your background that you think um, sort of why, why should people – uh, listen to you when you talk to them about how to lead.
1: Tom, because I have failed so much that I've been in like a, this mm. fail scorecard, right? I think that, mm-hmm. you know, when you mm-hmm. think about experience, when you think about different industries, when you think about not doing it right, when you're thinking about, mm-hmm. um, anything that it, you know, as it pertains to, um, studying culture, what we did mm-hmm. as when I found this, um, when I found this, uh, this path, Again, he mm-hmm. had about six steps. I had about five. And it's a three-step process, mm-hmm. but there's kind of internal things. We went and gut-checked it with the tr- most transformational leaders, movements, mm-hmm. organizations, and sports teams in history. How did they become mm-hmm. who they were? Come right? How did these leaders of, you know, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, MLK, mm-hmm. you know, organizations, mm-hmm. Southwest Apple, Google, movements, Christianity, mm-hmm. American Revolution, civil rights, sports teams mm-hmm. – Currently, you know, Golden State Warriors, right? Uh, Patriots. How do they become who they become? What's fascinating is all of them use this order. All of them Mm -hmm. in a certain way. Now, they didn't use it because of us. They used it because innately Mm -hmm. that's the right thing to do. And we went and studied Mm -hmm. them and said, oh, my gosh. They might have done Mm -hmm. relationships in a different way. They might have done communication in a different way. But they were so clear on who they were, mission, where they were going, vision, and who was going to be there with them and unify with them. Before they went and created Mm the relationships to change the world, change their organization, change their sports team, whatever. And so what we did is we studied and researched all those people to confirm and affirm what we had actually Mm -hmm. done um, works. And we've now worked Mm -hmm. with thousands of employees, hundreds of leaders, hundreds of organizations, Mm -hmm. and we use the same model every single time. Mm -hmm. And so… All of our stuff, you remember I talked at the beginning about the data. Everybody needs a data point, right? Mm -hmm. So at the beginning, when I talked to you about creating that survey, right, and the employees doing Mm -hmm. that and then taking it, so we get a data point, a human data point on trust, a human data point on work-life balance, a human data point on value, empathy, all those things that they Mm -hmm. bring to the table. And then we measure it six to nine months later and say, how have these moved? because we focused on the things that are human just as much as we focus the things that are need for professional and business because they drive mm-hmm. each other.
0: So what's that order you're talking about then that you say sure. all these different organizations use? Yeah. So I call it the journey in
1: the journey out and the journey towards others. So three step journey mm-hmm. that has some subcategories in it. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things is, is that you have to define current state. We use the, sur- the mm-hmm. assessment to really define current state. Once you define where you're at, there's five things that if they exist in the organization i can't talk about the next step we got to talk about mm-hmm. these first that's trust favoritism value equality and safety safety mm-hmm. has just come up obviously with covid massively sure. in the last mm-hmm. you know 6 months so if those right. five things exist you must have a conversation mm-hmm. around those things before you get into anything because if i don't trust you if i don't feel valued if I we're not we don't have some sort of equality discussion and the safety side of it, or there's favoritism. I can't even talk about who we are, which is mission. So current states defining those and seeing if any of those things exist, those five. And then the first mm-hmm. thing is you have to say who are you, which is your mission, mm-hmm. your why, your purpose. And you know, a lot of times it changes, or a lot of, th- or and sometimes they'll take what their current mission is for their organization or team, and they'll have, and and they'll they'll define what those actions are to live it. So mission and then vision and values go hand in hand. So visions, that aspirational future, what you want to become, and the values keep you on the journey. Unity is that first really the goals, roles, responsibilities, and that one to two year strategic plan that you're looking for. So the journey in is current state, you have to know current state, you gotta know who you are, gotta Mm -hmm. know
0: where you're going, you gotta get everybody looking in the same direction, which is unity. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing. Do you, find, Go ahead. do you find people want to sort of skip ahead? It's like, hey, can we just get to the implementation phase here? Yeah. We're spending a lot of time sort of talking and, and not a whole lot of doing.
1: Yeah. Um, people want to get to the strategy. And I said, well, how's your, other, how's your previous strategies gone? Well, good. good. we get mm-hmm. some of it done. Well, the reason that mm-hmm. you haven't is because you haven't built it by building this, you know, one, resilience in your employees and understanding that they're human first and they're, you know, mm-hmm. professional second. And because a lot of the things in the journey end is really healing a lot of things or making everything's, making a lot more things clear or um, mm-hmm. really investing in, you know, we got we have to know why we're here and what we're doing in order for get, to get a much better strategy because I tell every organization, Tom, that like mm-hmm. um, the best idea, the best new idea, the best innovation, everything that everybody wants is inside your mm-hmm. organization. You just have to create mm-hmm. a form for it to come out and you got to find it. Well, you're not going to mm-hmm. find the best idea if somebody existed and I don't trust you because I'm not going to share it with you. Mm-hmm. And so what it does, it unlocks potential. It unlocks creativity. It unlocks innovation. And every time, and I'm, this, is, this is something we're very proud of, within the next yeah. six to nine months, maybe six, mm-hmm. maybe six months to a year, every mm-hmm. single organization that we've worked with makes the next mm-hmm. biggest move they've ever made in their organization. Every organization, Mm. because we do it in this order, it unlocks it because if you journey in, Tom, I know this is probably mm, like mm. people are going, whatever, shut up, guy on on this podcast. (laughs) You know, sure, (laughs) man, whatever. Mm, 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 I can literally pull every Mm. organization and go, it's a merger. Mm. It's a change in entire Mm. bylaws or constitution of the organization. Mm. It's a major purchase. It's opening a new division. All of this Mm. has happened. It's a Mm. new leader coming Mm. in and redoing the entire, like a Fortune 20 company. Like an Mm -hmm. entire organization bringing in a new leader Mm -hmm. and they're able to go Mm -hmm. like change the entire organization because of what we did Mm -hmm. and how we did it. Because after Mm -hmm. you journey in, Tom, the first Mm -hmm. journey out step is having real Mm -hmm. relationships. So inside of journey out is relationships, communication, commitment, and creativity in that order. Mm -hmm. Well, people are like, well, should communication come first? Before that, I'm like, I'm talking about Tom. If you have a sick wife, mm-hmm. if you have a kid mm-hmm. that has an addiction, like I can at least talk to you about true, real relationships, not in the city we live, how the Titans, how the Preds, how the weather. Okay, right. but like you got, you're got you at mm-hmm. work 85% of your life. Whoever mm-hmm. said to leave life outside of work um, had a bad home life or something because like it's, it's, <laughs> it's, called, it's called life, right? And I hate this mm-hmm. whole term work-life balance. It's work-life uh-huh. harmony. It has, they mm-hmm. live together. They're not one or the other. And so the relationships
0: mm-hmm. that you need at work, if you have bad relationships at work, chances are you have bad mm-hmm. relationships at home. Mm-hmm. Right? If, yeah, you, one of the things you, you guys talk about is sort of like boardroom to dining room. Yeah. Um, and so tell me, I mean, that's um, uh, that seems pretty unusual. It is, yeah. That you would make that connection to home life that uh, dramatically. Um, and the other thing is, I'm curious about, There's a lot of skepticism about the concept of transformation in general Um, and sort of like, well, culture can't really be taught. It can't be built. You know, so it's like you're um, it's an organic thing and don't sweat it, basically. Um, So how uh, how do you um, uh, how do you convince people or what sort of um, opposition do you encounter about the idea of trying to attach home and work together because sure. there, are, there are a lot of people who are like, they don't know those are separate, you know? Sure. And then, so tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So, you know, I answer your first question just around the work and home. So every single
1: material mm-hmm. and everything that we do inside the journey in the journey out and the journey towards others mm-hmm. um, has every resource material. Everything that we work through can be used at the conference room table as much as the dinner table. Mm-hmm. So the mm-hmm. awareness of the personalities in the room that you sit with professionally, how the emotions work inside of that kind of the leadership journey of yourself how is that any different than home if you're going to lead i'm going to use these you know these words that with our partners at transform leader you know how do you you know we all enter's life as lovers right in our 20s love my mom love my dad love my friends love whatever sport mm-hmm. whatever right and then we move mm-hmm. into this category of warrior from our 20s and 30s and we we just climb climb because the world said climb 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 build 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 right which is there's nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that and then you move into mm-hmm. this king queen category well what's crazy is is that um To be a king or queen, you have to leave warrior behind. A lot of people can't do that. And then ultimately, Mm -hmm. that's kind of 40s or 50s and you become a sage. Hopefully, you have a sage in your life. I have three of them that in your 60s and 70s, been there, done that before you. I mean, all in in life is lovers. Here's the thing. I'm trying to be the king of my family in my 40s right now, so I'm pushing my dad to sage. Same with Mm -hmm. the leaders in the organizations that I work with the people that are kind of close to retirement, kind of taking care of the organization, they to even move to stage and a lot of times they'll run into warrior. They don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. That actually cripples an organization. So mm-hmm. what we try to do is to say, there's a conversation with your spouse, with your kids around all the resources that we create so that it, you can use all of it because it's not just leadership development and culture development, Tom. It is mm-hmm. adult development. And we go through major mm-hmm. periods in our life that we need transitional states to get better at. Because here's the thing about mm-hmm. all this. You asked the question about, you know, um, I, I've never seen a, a consulting firm that really puts this as a focus. They're separate, right? And we said, mm-hmm. I said, no, I need adult development on how I'm feeling as much as I need leadership development, on how that works, and it's got to come together. So everything we create mm-hmm. helps the human be better at both places. And I think that is a differentiating factor for us because imagine walking in to where we've done the survey and done all that, and I have surveyed mm-hmm. all the spouses. You want a true, mm-hmm. you want a true number on mm-hmm. what the culture of an organization is? Survey the spouse. Because the dinner table tells the truth and it's anonymous. Mm-hmm. And now if you don't have a spouse, mm-hmm. we call it a personal survey. So if you don't mm-hmm. have one, it's a brother, sister, best friend, mom, dad, whoever you can find in about your job. So we bring mm-hmm. the home into the workplace. And you know what we find? Mm-hmm. You know what scores low? When I'm on vacation, they can't unplug. When they're at home, they're not mm-hmm. at home. You know, mm-hmm. they, they they complain about their job all the time. They're overworked, they're not yeah. connected. Guess what? And this is this is hard. I sit next to CEOs during that, because I look right. at them and I go, Is that hard for you to read? Because you're mm-hmm. responsible for that. Right. The culture that you're creating is creating those responses. And whether you want to bring mm-hmm. the dark into the light or not, Tom, it's there. Mm-hmm. It's just doing mm-hmm. it in a professional way. And not calling one or two people out. This is, you know, most Mm -hmm. teams we work with are 10 to 12 and then we work out from that. Mm -hmm. It's a 10 to 12 Mm -hmm. um, group score of the team, right? It's not like Mm -hmm. saying, Tom, your your wife said that. You know, like that's not it. That's not what I'm there to do. Mm -hmm. But here's what's fascinating. You take that survey six months later Mm -hmm. and you see these Mm -hmm. reds turn to oranges and yellows. And here's some of the greatest Mm -hmm. stories I've ever heard. I worked with this massively high performing. When you talk about good to great, massively high performing mm-hmm. organization, they were great. Like mm-hmm. we moved them to influential and moved them into the sage category of what they needed to do. We did that mm-hmm. exact thing. One of the core leaders who just got it first time. First, he had vacation right after I shared it. He didn't right. touch his phone. 2 days in his wife mm-hmm. goes, "What's what's wrong?" What, mm-hmm. what? What's I, I don't Why aren't you on your phone? Where's your computer? Yeah. What? What? Mm-hmm. And then six days later, he comes in on the Monday morning meeting. And he goes, my wife mm-hmm. said that was the best vacation she's ever been on in 20 years. And I said, mm-hmm. and then I looked at the group and I said, all of you can have the same. Because guess mm-hmm. what? And this is hard to say to them. Y'all mm-hmm. are not that important. And the second that you think mm-hmm. that you got to work on vacation tells me that you don't trust the people that are right below you for a billion dollar corporation, you're already making a mistake. Mm -hmm. so that's how we do it and when you talk about change and transformation here's what we don't do right sometimes is that we Mm -hmm. talk about the process we talk about the logical side of it we talk about the intelligence well when you change and transform there's loss there's grief there's excitement there's sadness there's Mm -hmm. fear there's new Mm -hmm. and guess what all of it is hard tough and scary it just Mm -hmm. is whether you say it or not it
0: is and right so I can um, let me um, play sort of devil's advocate for just a second. Please do. Um, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you, uh, I can make an argument that says um, it's possible for the emotional context you're talking about to happen through uh, action. And so rather than focusing on the emotional content of work, if I focus on the outcomes I'm trying to produce and my energy just goes towards uh, measuring and managing towards those outcomes, then the emotional part will take care of itself. Sure. Um, and so that, that's sort of, to me, kind of the, the anti-transformation argument is um, it's uh, energy spent on the wrong things. Sure. And that you, you want to have your, your limited time and your limited energy focused on those things going to make the, the direct impact on the operations of the organization. And that's much more scientific and financial than it is uh cultural sure um so how do i mean i'm i'm sure i'm not the first person to ever say something like that to you so um tom no way
1: (laughs) (laughs) um i would how do you how do you respond to that i would say tom then why do i why do i talk to so many leaders and why do you see so many leaders that put their head down for 20 years and they look up and they go where am i Mm -hmm. why do i not have great relations why am i here, you know, you might accomplish, but, uh, but, and when you think about the great leaders that you worked at before, the ones that are talked about mm. at the dinner tables of the teams, it wasn't what projects mm. you did. It's how you made, it's how they made you feel. It's that they were, you were part of the conversation. You had a voice, you had an opinion. And I think that, you know, there's gotta be an awareness, um, you know, to, to that we're humans and we're not robots. You know, we, mm. we can push things through and get things done and that's fine. But culture isn't something you are, culture is something you do. That's a quote from David uh, Daniel Coyle who wrote Culture Code. And if you talk mm-hmm. about it and you like it's a fantastic book, and I would tell everybody to read that just about culture. Mm-hmm. It is a great, great book. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But culture is something that you must invest in. And you there is there is so much data. When you talk about science, data, and research, go look at the mm-hmm. organizations that actually have cultural awareness, that, that are investing in culture, that have high, high uh, high employer retention, that are, that are, that are changing the game. I would tell you that Mm -hmm. the ones that are doing that are the ones that are pulling all the great employees and that's why the others are following them. You can put your head Mm -hmm. down for 20 to 25 years, but it's really sad when you pick it up and you and I have so many leaders that say this, I have people reach out to me literally weekly and they go, Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know what I just did. I got my head down, I got my job done, I did a good job, I came and provided for my family. But Here's mm-hmm. what I would say to that on the on the psychological and counseling side and all the people, mm-hmm. the people that mm-hmm. do that are living between sixty eight and seventy two degrees. We're living in this zone of sixty eight. Well, living mm-hmm. is when it's really hot and really cold. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm not saying that you need to be irrational. I'm not saying that it needs to be mm-hmm. you know something that's like full like. When you're taught to live between 68 and 72, that's the way you're going to live your life. That's mm-hmm. your relationship with your kids. That's your relationship with your wife. Mm-hmm. That's your relationship with your people. Mm-hmm. Humans were meant mm-hmm. for connection, and humans were, supposed to, were meant to have very high highs and very low lows. But somewhere mm-hmm. along the way, we said, you know what? Pack it in. Let me go back to very – did you ever when you were a kid – because it happened to me. Hey, quit that crying. Mm-hmm. Go to your room and come back when you have a smile on your face. Mm-hmm. Right? Sure. That's mm-hmm. telling me that I can't have emotion with you, so therefore I'm not connected to you. So I got to go fix myself and then come back. Mm-hmm. We're taught that from mm-hmm. day one. There's not a parent that doesn't say that. Go around, you know, come back, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. But we were taught that at such an early age because you know why? Because the person that's in the room, you, the parent, can't deal with mm-hmm. their own emotion with you, so they don't want to have emotion, so they send you away. Come back mm-hmm. when I don't have to feel your emotions. We were meant to feel. That's the beans that we were created. I can tell you that I have not seen or not been a part of an organization that when you invest – and I'm – again, I'm not saying this must dominate. I'm trying to just get it into the discussion. Uh And when you get it into the discussion, when I tell you every organization we've worked with were able to do the biggest move in their organization ever, it's because of the heart. It's not because they had more strategy, more Excel spreadsheets more more, uh, initiatives. That's not it. They clarified things. Mm-hmm. They actually got smaller. So.
0: Um, so the. Um, uh, did that answer your question? I hope it did. It did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so um, if you're talking about like an organization having that sort of higher purpose. Um, sure. It begins to call in to uh, open up additional responsibilities. So um, let's say that. um you discover that your, um, supply chain has, um, child labor in it. Um, and, um, do you see organizations beginning to like, um, question the, uh, their larger responsibilities? You so said it's like once you, it's kind of, once you open that door to leading with the heart, uh, it can go to a lot of different places. It can, and people think that you know. Sometimes leading
1: with the heart can be weak, can be vulnerable. It doesn't mean more profit. It doesn't mean you know. We're capitalists, right? You know, we're in an America, and we just want to go, 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 more, 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 money, 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 right? Well, what if um, you know? What if what if um, what if that wasn't the sole purpose? What if you actually took those profits and reinvested in, let's use the child labor, and you discovered that? You know mm-hmm. When you actually mm-hmm. set in on your why, when you set in on your purpose, when you set in on that, you are going to make changes as an organization. You're going become a more purposeful organization. I've seen tons of companies reinvest back into the benefits to keep their employees in certain ways. I've seen leaders come in and go, you know what? Um, we're going to create a fund that's going to help parents um, have, uh, and we're going to pay for their daycare because that's mm-hmm. a massive stress on them. It's, it's reinvesting, and it's actually more human, and it's a more human. People think that because you're going to go on the hard side, you're going to lose something. What if mm-hmm. we went on the hard side and gained everything? Because mm-hmm. we can. And that's what actually happens. And I think that, yes, the purpose might change, but it doesn't shift the whole. People are scared of it because they haven't gone. it. Because here's what I found out about leaders. They have three things. Leaders are usually right at right the bell curve intellect. This is what my mentors mm-hmm. taught me. Uh, mm-hmm. They know how to get it done, and they do it in a moral way. And those are mm-hmm. good leaders. The ones mm-hmm. that are transformational, that have, named, have days named after them and we revere, they also know mm-hmm. how to go left. And going left means this, that I'm emotionally aware, I can take all those things, and instead of when I'm going to the basket, instead of going right, I'm able to go left too. And when I can go left, that's going to open up and unlock things that have never been unlocked before because guess what? On the right side and going right, I know I can win. Well, living is when you go to the left and right. And so what we try to do at The Collective is open up those doors and I'm not a cannonball into the pool guy, Tom. I'm like, mm-hmm. let's put our toes mm-hmm. in the sand. Let's put the mm-hmm. let's put the ankles in, knees. We want to wade into mm-hmm. it because you can run away from it. But if you take that mm-hmm. type of approach into this emotional awareness, you're going to see things to where you're going to get more out of employees than you've ever seen before. You've got more innovation than you've ever experienced and you are going to get more done. Because right now, mm-hmm. you gotta trust people because most of them are working from home. And guess what? These mm-hmm. companies are figuring out they have adults that work for them and professionals mostly, <laughs> and they have to trust them. And they don't need to have them mm-hmm. sitting in a building to do that. Mm-hmm. This is actually, mm-hmm. a, you know, improve the trust factor. I know some people will break it and mm-hmm. they'll do what they do, but like,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: it's also making the family unit in most instances stronger because they're seeing these awarenesses that I can actually mm-hmm. hang with my fam and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. there's some mm-hmm. positives coming out of COVID, I think. Um, and, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, in the system that we sit in right now and where we're at, I think that, uh, um, anytime that you can, you can add this and have somebody that can take you on this journey. Um, it's what I call living, you know, and, and, and I mm-hmm. think the higher calling of a leader is not to lead the projects. It's not to um, get the things done. It's to actually, I love what Jack Welch says. Uh, He Mm -hmm. says, the job of a leader is not to be the smartest person in the room. The job of the leader is to raise the level of conversation in the room so the best ideas can come out and everybody has a safe environment to talk so that those people own the transformation forward. And all you do have to do is guide and be excited about what your company can do without you
0: hmm i mean he's jack Welch. definitely has a you know, he's sort of the embodiment of the superstar ceo um i wouldn't ever consider him to be a humble leader um but um, the ages when he uh, got to
1: the later parts of his life mm-hmm. he did he was mm-hmm. neutron
0: drack for a while but then when he got into mm-hmm. the
1: sage category he changed his tone mm-hmm. look at his last 10 mm-hmm. years he changed his tone
0: mm-hmm. um and so um you're, uh, um, it's interesting. So tell me about, um, you, you have three sons. I do. Uh, turning 13, yeah. 10 and eight, 10 and eight. Um, and when you're, um, when you're their father, do you find that you, um, that you want to tell them what to do or, uh, how do you sort of encourage them? Like you say that, uh, uh, you described it as, being excited about the idea and drawing those out when somebody's 13 Mm -hmm. they can hurt themselves um and so how do you how do you uh create those guidelines in a way where um it's not too stifling
1: yeah so um you know with the beginning of covid you know all of us became Mm -hmm. stay-at-home teachers (laughs) whether we liked it or not you know Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. so i think that um one of the things that I, you know, really invest in my kids, and if you go to our website, it's a free resource. It's called the Kids Plan mm-hmm. and the Family Plan. Is that you know mm-hmm. we developed a mission, vision, and values for our family. Our family, mm-hmm. the values are Roar, right? So mm-hmm. um, R is relationship uh, with God. Mm-hmm. So relationship. So with you know God, mm-hmm. where we have faith. You know, mm-hmm. family, friends, mm-hmm. family, um, ownership, mm-hmm. owner, whether it's good or bad, ambition, which is. Mm-hmm. In other mm-hmm. words, you know, for success and, and then um, mm-hmm. and then respect, you know, so roar like a mm-hmm. lion. I have boys. Right. So everything we mm-hmm. do is kind of around right. that. And then when we build mm-hmm. and we sit down with them, um, you know, I ask them what they want to do. Like we literally create a plan like at the beginning of COVID. What do you guys want to do? Mm-hmm. How are you going to own this? Like we use our values to actually work with them. And then at the end of every week, we I go to them and I say, OK, family, how did we roar this week? And we share. Mm -hmm. And we just talk about Mm -hmm. it, but I don't Mm -hmm. inflict anything on them. I don't try to put them anything. I want them to try as many things as possible. Mm -hmm. And they have been during COVID, which Mm -hmm. is great. They're reading, drawing instruments, Mm -hmm. you know, doing different sports. It's great. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, I would say the biggest thing with them is you got to keep it simple. But I will tell you this. Mm -hmm. One of the things I am doing and way more intentional about, especially as I am on my own journey, is that it's Mm -hmm. okay for them to be, you know, have emotions and be sad. And be aware of what that mm-hmm. is, or be angry, or be fearful, mm-hmm. or feel lonely. I don't know what kids not feeling lonely right now, and they got to be able to look to their parents and tell them that. Because in COVID, in those first thirty days, it was pretty lonely. You know, they were just they mm-hmm. had their brothers, but they didn't have their friends. You know, so for right. us, I'm bringing that emotional awareness to my kids early, so they just understand what those words mean. Because I think a lot of times, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I know some my parents and some parents they stuff them. And I call it, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of keeping the beach ball underwater. But, you know, Mm -hmm. we don't put anything, you know, on our kids or tell them what to do. We keep it open. We have a dialogue about what interests Mm -hmm. them and how they do it. And then what I do, because I'm a, you know, as much as I am, you know, on the emotional side, I get things done, Tom. You know, I wouldn't have a company Mm -hmm. and wouldn't have repeat business is that I help them build a plan Mm -hmm. to get there. And I hold them accountable Mm -hmm. to that plan, you know, and -hmm. and, and I help them with it because they're just kids, you know, and they they need to be Mm -hmm. told what to do. So if you go down Mm -hmm. to my fridge, they have a weekly calendar and they have about two to three things they want to do each day that they created. I didn't create it and they check it off when they do it. And that's how we Mm -hmm. that's how we engage them on, you know, just putting putting our values in them. So when they walk out of our house, they know how to roar. Mm -hmm. Do you um, feel you're able to take criticism from your kids? Oh, man. I actually apologize to my kids insanely. Like I'll yell at Mm -hmm. them and then I'll go out and like, Mm -hmm. I'm not a perfect dad. And then I'll come back in Mm because one of my kids is redheaded and he's a spitfire and we are the same person Mm -hmm. and we just go at each other. Mm -hmm. I will literally, Mm -hmm. you know, walk back in because of my emotional awareness and that I'm learning Mm -hmm. myself. I'm not an expert at this and say, buddy. I should not have yelled at you there. And that's my bad. You escalated here. Mm -hmm. So I escalated. And so we just did this. So I'm sorry. So Mm -hmm. how do we make that better next time? So you don't feel that way. And I don't feel that way because we don't Mm want to do that. I don't want to be doing that as your dad. We know it's going to happen. But yeah, Mm -hmm. because you know what I do? I apologize to them all the time, Tom, because it's the first time I've had a 13 year old and it's the first time Mm -hmm. I've had a 10 year old Grayson. And it's the first time I've had Mm -hmm. a very creative will at eight years old. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to get it Mm -hmm. wrong all the time, mm-hmm. but I hope to get better. And I tell them that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that um, being able to apologize to your uh, children is, um, I think it's its critical for having an honest relationship with them. And um, I think it, that, um, you know, we we tend to almost not see our parents as people they occupy a different place, kind of in our mythology, um, in that uh, trying to um, establish the common humanity between parent and child, but you have to do it in a responsible way because if you're friends with your kids, it's a disservice to them. They'll have friends in their life, but they won't have another father. They won't have another mother. Um, They only get one of those. And so, um, friendship is the wrong, um, uh, place to occupy, but, um, I do think that, um, uh, distance isn't, uh, ideal either. Um, but I'm not sure like if I, if I had to choose between them, what I would choose friendship and distance. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that I want to be the place that my kids want to come home to. Um, and if Mm -hmm. I, I, I agree with you on the friendship thing. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I totally do. Um, but, but I want them to just be able to come in and be themselves with me and bring things Mm -hmm. to me as their dad, even if it's bad. Mm -hmm. And if I can create Mm -hmm. that safe place where I'm not going to, I'll give you a, for instance, my son Mm -hmm. broke his phone, Mm -hmm. right? He has a phone. Mm -hmm. He broke his phone. Um, Mm -hmm. I could have gone off the rails, you know, it's an iPhone, Mm -hmm. right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. he brought it to me he was he was scared you know like because he loved you mm-hmm. know and so he brought it to right. me and my wife texted me he's like he's bringing it up to you and he's really scared you know and I said mm-hmm. and I didn't react I just said man mm-hmm. that stinks man what are we going to do about this next time you know how are you going to pay mm-hmm. for this you know what's that it's that mm-hmm. awareness and understanding that nah, I don't want to push him away because like every chance that mm-hmm. I'm like ah you know like mm-hmm. he mm-hmm. then doesn't want to bring stuff to me You know, and I, and I, -hmm. early in my day before I got into this, you know, I was very, you know, I'm, I can Mm -hmm. be strong and I can be firm Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, who's going to stand up to dad, Mm -hmm. dad can out answer you, dad can out emotion you, dad can, I do this for a living, right? So I'm walking Mm -hmm. into, they're Mm -hmm. walking into a space in a room where the guy knows all the answers to a lot of things that they're dealing with of Mm -hmm. how to challenge me or not. My goal mm-hmm. in all of this is then to have an open relationship where they want to come back, that they trust in sharing things with us. And my ability to apologize in front of them and them in front of me doesn't make me their friend. It makes us human. Mm.
0: Hmm. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Um, I think that um, – so you're, you started your career as a salesperson. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I started my career. I got my degree in chemistry and biology and was going to be a doctor. But all, my, oh, all my family's in sales. Yeah. So uh,
0: why didn't you become a doctor?
1: Because I uh, went to play professional soccer. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And then I didn't go back to the medical world. I was going to go do pharmaceutical mm-hmm. or medical sales um, mm-hmm. and use that to do that. And then uh, mm-hmm. they said I need a sales experience. So I said, where do I need to go? And they said, insurance. So I sold insurance and then mm-hmm. I made more money than mm-hmm. the guys doing medical and device sales. So I stayed there <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and worked up
0: the ladder. Now, um, soccer. Is you gonna be uh, you gonna play professional soccer here in the U.S.?
1: Yeah, and, um, in in Columbus Crew organization. So I was on the scout team and the development team mm-hmm. and played there mm-hmm. and um, a long time ago. Uh, I'm, I'm older, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was a fantastic experience. Got to play against some amazing people who play on the U.S. team. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, I hung up the
0: boots, got married, and moved mm-hmm. on with my life. Mm -hmm. Do you find that that experience as an athlete helped you as a salesperson? I would say that that, and I did karate from literally
1: age five Mm -hmm. to to 18. Mm -hmm. I would say both soccer and karate were my big um, Mm -hmm. influencers on, on, on what, how I became, you know, and how that translated Mm -hmm. into, um, uh, into business.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: What about karate? So Hmm. I I don't like, uh, so from age eight to 18, um, mm-hmm. I was a national champion and never won represented the mm-hmm. United States all across the world and won the world championships mm-hmm. in 1996, brought home on the most medals mm-hmm. in, uh, Australia when the world championships were in Australia. So, um, I don't like it because I was, uh, it's one of those, like right now I have a bunch of shame talking about that. That's the emotion I'm feeling, mm-hmm. right? Cause I was successful right. in it, but that mm-hmm. culture of the Japanese, cause we were Okinawan style. And the discipline mm-hmm. and, and then how you had to listen to your teacher and all those things that were in mm-hmm. you know in me. And really the karate kid was nineteen eighty four. I asked for an entire sure. year to go in and it wouldn't get mm-hmm. off my parents and then I just loved it. And I just stayed mm-hmm. in it. But then I let it mm-hmm. go when I was eighteen and um and mm-hmm. went into soccer and played soccer in, in college and then pro. Why do you feel shame about all that success? Well, you know, sometimes I, I don't feel shame. I feel shame about talking about it. I don't feel shame about what yeah. I did, you know. So Because when you're successful, I mean, I was successful
0: at it, you know. Mm -hmm. And do do your sons, do you think they feel any of that um, obligation? Uh, Or do they feel, do you think they feel any sense of like, man, dad was a really good athlete? They know that I've played and they
1: like soccer, but Mm -hmm. one of my sons likes Mm -hmm. football and one of my sons does Mm -hmm. cross country and piano and all that. Mm -hmm. I I just tell them, I'm sure because I was a Mm -hmm. soccer player, there's some influence there. Uh, But... uh, Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think that they live up to, I think they probably look up and Mm -hmm. say, dad was a pretty good athlete. Um, and when Mm -hmm. I talk to them about training, whatever sport Mm -hmm. it is, or the discipline Mm -hmm. of practice, even if it's with like piano Mm -hmm. or whatever, um, Mm -hmm. they know that I'm coming from a place of experience and they respect
0: that. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned practice, you have to, um, soft skills can be very difficult to practice. So when you're trying to teach people. Uh, how to communicate in a different way in your work? How do you um, give people a safe place to practice?
1: Yeah, so great question. Is um, you can't do that unless you're doing your own work on a weekly basis. You know, so one mm-hmm. of the one of the people that we partner with, and we do this thing called Start with Heart Coaching. It's, uh, it's uh, this guy by the name of Jeff Schulte. Is is that every week um, I check in uh, with a group of leaders, executives. Um, and, Mm -hmm. uh, we go to a group every week. Uh, Jeff's a certified counselor, graduated from Yale, has three master's degrees, theology, behavioral, all that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. But he teaches leaders. That's Mm -hmm. what he works with. High powered, stressed out (laughs) me leaders, Mm -hmm. you know? So, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. and we check in with our emotions, you know? So I have Mm -hmm. to really say, Hey, um, there's eight core emotions. There's this book called voices from the heart from chip Dodd. And we check in with those eight core emotions and, you know, for myself. So if I'm doing my own work, on how I feel in mm-hmm. every room that I show up in. And I can at least show up mm-hmm. with that to my wife, show up that with my kids, my employees. We do this at my company. Mm-hmm. Um, we check in mm-hmm. with our feelings and how we're feeling because that that brings the dark into the light. We all have the emotion. And eventually mm-hmm. we get there with our clients. Um, we did it this past weekend. We had two major mergers between mm-hmm. two organizations. Um, yeah. And I think, honestly, Tom, it's about bringing things up that are in the room that people doesn't want to talk about and it's not to point it out. Mm-hmm. It's to say it's here. Mm-hmm. And if we just, mm-hmm. if we don't at least acknowledge it, then it's mm-hmm. going to come out sideways and we don't want it mm-hmm. to come out sideways or it's going to come out with us not knowing or having the knowledge of what this emotion means and means and, and how, how it could actually be very bad to a
0: conversation. Mm-hmm. So you, you said that you're kind of um, stressed, do you put that pressure on yourself? Do you think to succeed, or where do you what do you think is the source of that stress? Yeah,
1: so so to understand stress, stress and it, it usually comes from anger, and a lot of people are like, mm-hmm. wait a second, you know, anger, mm-hmm. anger. Actually, the gift of anger is passion, right? So mm-hmm. um, I have a lot of stress because I, I want to help a lot of people. Um, mm-hmm. Understand how to get back of why emotions are so point, so important to what you're doing every day and being able to talk about mm-hmm. them um, from a place mm-hmm. of understanding, from a place of mm-hmm. um, connection, and from a place to make you a better leader all around, mm-hmm. right? Because, you mm-hmm. know, unfortunately, the generation above us, Tom, a lot mm-hmm. of them suppress their emotions, and it's just mm-hmm. because put your head down, work hard because the generation before them worked hard enough to get them mm-hmm. to college because it was the biggest spike mm-hmm. ever so they can make themselves mm-hmm. better for their families, that whole whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's okay, fine. I'm not discounting that. But what I'm trying to say is mm-hmm. you got to show up for you and know what that is. So I, I try to – I really try to keep that, that open and my, only, my, my personal growth in that mm-hmm. as, you, as you do your own work so you can help others you know, really do their work.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, you know, there's um, so you mentioned your faith a little earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the origin of faith is brokenness and uh, that there's it sounds to me like part of what you're doing is trying to get um, people to come to terms with their fundamental brokenness. And that they're um, you're seeking. Um, now, you're not trying to fix yourself, but you're sort of seeking grace um, through relation with others. And, um, but that the foundation of that relationship is, is brokenness. Um, and that's not like uh, a popular theme in business, um, that, uh, it's, you know, our, um, our finite lives and our, um, uh, our really, um, powerlessness over our fundamental brokenness. Um, and so I don't I don't know if that if you've encountered that in your work where um, you're sort of you're, you're sort of talking about bringing the, the dark into the light. That's like bringing the light, the, the um, uh, taking the light out of the dark, I guess, sort of like turning the dark on more. Um, and anyway, I don't know what your uh, you've um, if you've ever if that's ever come up in your work.
1: Yeah, I don't break people. We're all broke. So using your you know, the words that you're saying. And that it's Mm -hmm. just making sure to understand that the broken pieces of us are not ugly. They're magnificent. Mm -hmm. And the ability to Mm -hmm. understand and lean into the vulnerability of who we are actually gives us, you know, a greater uh, empowerment and power. um, Not like power, but like our ability Mm -hmm. to even be better for our employees, our spouse, our kids. Um, Yeah, there's a Mm -hmm. fundamental brokenness, you know. And I think that, you know, what people are going to be discovering about their leadership is, is that, It's gonna be sad because they might have done things the wrong way and they might not have got everything they wanted out of being a leader, but it's not too late as I Mm -hmm. tell them to kind of reflect and make a make a shift. And I'm not telling you this Mm -hmm. is like, I'm not telling you to go 180. It might might have a 180 Mm -hmm. effect on you, but I'm just saying Mm -hmm. just open the door and be open to it. Like, because Mm -hmm. I promise you, if you walk through it. It's going to be Mm -hmm. a significantly different way to be a leader that is way more impactful, that is way more deep, that is way more Mm -hmm. um, legacy driven. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as you talk about faith, you know, one of the things my mentor Mm -hmm. just kind of, he just throws things from every which way. Mm -hmm. And it's amazing, Mm -hmm. Um, Jeff, Mm -hmm. because he goes in the Bible, it says it's better to go to Mm -hmm. the house of mourning than the house of feasting, because in the house of mourning, you can find your heart. It's in Ecclesiastes Mm -hmm. somewhere. So what Mm -hmm. he's telling you is it's better for you to grieve and be sad, to find Mm -hmm. who you are, of maybe what you didn't Mm -hmm. do, maybe what you lost, maybe what um, you aren't comfortable with even admitting, than going to Mm -hmm. actually make your feasts' strengths stronger. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. You'll find your heart in the morning versus finding your heart in the strengths. It will be there. But your mm-hmm. connectedness to faith, you know, and what you just brought it up and, and God sure. is, is in the morning mm-hmm. and that's where we live mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. Um, in those spaces.
0: Yeah, I think that's, um, yeah, uh, I think about like, um, so a but, but thing that I struggle with all the time is um, if, if God loves us, uh, why is there the Holocaust? If God loves us, why is there suffering? Sure. And I have no good answer for that. Neither do um, I. And, you know, I think um, the only thing I have is that um, in, in many ways I, I believe that uh, whether there is or there isn't a God is less important than um, what is the impact on my life when I act as if uh, I believe or, or don't. Um, and I think that in a, like, I, I absolutely believe in virtue. I totally believe that there's such a thing as virtue. I've seen it. I think it's had a tremendous impact on human history. I'm unconvinced that there is a loving creator that uh, cares about whether I live or die. Um, But my own very, very small life is uh, isn't significant in the, um, you know, sort of in the span of human history. But the ideas that I can dedicate myself to are extraordinarily significant, like democracy is an incredibly important idea. Um, and, um, and so I've, I've, uh, uh, you're, you're finding your heart in the, um, in the morning. I do think that, uh, we have to go towards our pain that to understand what our, um, what our purpose is to understand, to, to feel the presence of God, we have to go towards our pain. And uh, so for me, as someone who who sort of tries to simultaneously hold the ideas of atheism and belief at the same time, there's a saying that I like, which is that what holds me up in my grief, what holds me up in my despair, at the bottom of my despair, that's God. And uh, I can say that, um, you know, I feel something, you know, when, when there's that sort of gift of desperation uh, there is something there that um, uh, feels like it holds us up. And then the the other thing about um, we can't be slaves to God. Like if if we love, if we're going to choose to love something, or we choose to dedicate, so this actually goes towards sort of leading with purpose. I don't want a business where the people who work for me feel as if they are slaves to me. So Adam Smith wrote about how uh, slavery is actually a really bad economic model because those workers are not committed to growing the whole. They're committed to survival. But they're, that's essentially, they're committed to the minimum amount of work necessary to survive because they have no benefit. There is nothing good that can happen to them. And because of that, they aren't motivated. They are they aren't, not owners. Um, they're owned. And, um, it's an abomination sure, um, but when people are are have that choice when you can make the decision to um to love uh, and whether that's you're loving the higher purpose of your organization or choosing to love god um, then there's a it's a completely different commitment mm hmm
1: yeah, I think that, you know, that's where deep down us is kind of that gut, right? Because, you know, when you talk mm-hmm. about the emotion of pain or whatever, why do we get sad? Mm-hmm. We get sad, mm-hmm. like think about if you've lost a loved one, right? Mm-hmm. We're sad because mm-hmm. they mattered, Yeah, right? That's the only reason mm-hmm. we're sad. We are sad because they mattered yeah. and they want us to cry our eyes mm-hmm. out and grieve. And yeah. and, and right. when we sit at a mm-hmm. table and they're not there, it's because they mattered. Mm-hmm. But what should come mm-hmm. out of the gift Of the gift of sadness is anger Mm -hmm. because I got time Mm -hmm. with the rest of the people at this table and I want to make sure that I make my time with them the best it Mm -hmm. can be because I don't get to do that with that person anymore I'm just using that example and I think that's the Mm -hmm. same about when a person Mm -hmm. leaves an organization I think that when you know a leader sails off into the sunset like they mattered Mm -hmm. and and how many people Mm -hmm. can you know it's a weird thing to say but how many people can be sad Mm -hmm. when you leave because you yeah. mattered right mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. and that's where like i tell everybody if you build a great organization there should and you leave there mm-hmm. should be tears mm-hmm. upon tears upon tears mm-hmm. and guess mm-hmm. what i i will mm-hmm. say this when i left my first organization we literally mm-hmm. i sat in a room brought all my top producers and came in we cried mm-hmm. for an hour and a half their spouses mm-hmm. cried for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. and we told stories, mm-hmm. and we laughed, and we had wine, and we smoked, smoked cigars. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it was just horribly, awful, ugly cries. Mm-hmm. But that's the way it should be. Like, that's yeah. that's it right there. Mm-hmm. You know, and take that to mm-hmm. the family unit. Like, when the kid goes mm-hmm. off to college, you should mm-hmm. wail, and he should, mm-hmm. she should wail, mm-hmm. because they mattered. Mm-hmm. And I understand the despair and all that, but I also think that Mm -hmm. I've been a part of things to where when I'm at my highest of highs and then my Mm -hmm. Lord shows up and I Mm -hmm. go, holy smokes, you were there through it all, and I Mm -hmm. get to do this with you? Unreal. Mm -hmm. So there is a highest Mm -hmm. of high for me that I've Mm -hmm. seen, and here's the crazy thing. You want to get close to God? Become an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs)
0: You <laughs> certainly point out your Yeah. Oh, my gosh, right? Ah! Mm-hmm. So. Well, um, Brad, I really appreciate you joining me today. This has been a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, Tom, this has been great, great questions. And I enjoy talking about this and I love you being honest and, and bringing um, – you know uh, bringing what you what you did today and 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 giving me the you know the opportunity to to be on here um i will say this i and this is just me being complete you know forthright with you is when you said that you're insignificant and like i was like Mm -hmm. i was sad because tom you matter and 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 Mm -hmm. what you're doing matters and i think that you know when you said this little i said no no because I got the opportunity to talk with you now a couple of times and the work that you do is mm-hmm. fantastic. And I think that mm-hmm. you do matter. And I think that your, your family would say that you do matter. And the people that work for you and our mutual corrections say you matter. And I think that mm-hmm. we get the opportunities for whatever path we walk in this life to matter to those people. And that, and that's, uh, that makes you significant, not insignificant.
0: Well, thank you very much. That's a very nice thing to say. I appreciate it. Yep, No problem. Fortunes Path Podcast is a production of Fortunes Path. We hope businesses pursue the path to virtue that leads to better product development, customer acquisition, loyalty, and engagement. You can catch old episodes of the Fortunes Path Podcast, or try our Product Score Calculator at fortunespath.com. Special thanks to Brad Stinson for being our guest. Music and editing of the Fortunes Path Podcast are by Ted Noser. I'm Tom Noser. Thanks for listening. And I hope we meet along Fortune's path.